Car Guys Report is up next, but first, take a listen to the other fine Opie show. I'm Howard Sudbury. And it's Steve Baskerville. And on the next Back to You podcast, it's going to be a great show, Steve. Yeah, because two things are going to happen at the same time. I'm going to be slowing down my vehicle long enough for you to look at me and see the eye of the tiger. We've got two members of the Ides of March, Jim Peterick and Bob Berglund. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. That's the next Back to You with Howard Sudbury. And Steve Baskerville. I can't wait. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. An Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. <laughs> Following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride here on the uh, Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Uh, certainly glad to have you along. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. And before we uh, went live, uh, Lou and I were just chatting. Uh, recently, uh, Lou attended uh, one of the uh, Concours shows in the uh, Chicago area. And uh, you were just telling me, I just wanted to talk about this briefly, about the was it a 63 Plymouth Fury, you said? 62 Plymouth Sport Six, Fury. Okay, 62 Plymouth Sport Fury. And uh, obviously the car is cool. So that, that 13 Max Wedge or whatever they call it with that, the, the manifold is like f- literally flat when you see it. It's got those two huge quad carburetors on exactly. it separated by about a foot. And it's yep. a, a really cool underhood thing. But the backstory on that car was interesting. If you just want to talk about that real quick because it was cool. Sure. So uh, what will be coming up, and I'll give you a little cliff note to it. So the gentleman who has it, uh, how he received it was his boss usually picked up Imperials. And mm-hmm. Imperial was a top of the line. Imperial was its own mark within the Chrysler. And that was, yeah, we talked about this on a previous episode, the top of the line made to compete with Cadillac and Lincoln. And then Plymouth was obviously the bottom of the line in the in the hierarchy of Chrysler. So, <laughs> so, so he came home with this Plymouth Sport Freer and his wife basically said, no, that's that's not staying with us. So he had to sell it, and he sold it to his employee. So his employee basically uh, was in college at the time or or high school and uh, received uh, opportunity to purchase this car and then years later sold it. As he sold it, he was handing the keys over to a teenager when his dad was giving him the check in one hand and the keys were being delivered and the teenager got in it and immediately did a burnout down the street and he was destroyed as he's watching his car go away and then of course later reconnected with the car and has re-brought it all back to its original glory. I think it's always amazing how you read these stories and you hear these stories like you just told us how people are able to Reconnect and actually find a car they used to own. I mean, this might have been a local situation where he actually was maybe in touch with the family or something. I'm not sure. But how do the people do that? I mean, you read stories where someone said, oh, yeah, we sold the car, you know, and this is like 30 years or 40 years. And then somehow later they, they track it down after all those years. It just blows me away that that can actually happen. Yeah, there's a special car police that go after these things, like uh, like the FBI. Yeah, yeah. It's probably easier now, I, though. I, I'm kidding. No, but way. I'm just saying it's probably <laughs> easier now than it used to be with the internet and everything, because you can start doing database searches and things like that. But it's still just fascinating that that happens, and that actually could almost be. I'm sure there's somebody out there that 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 is a car finder, not only just for 
finding a particular car for somebody, but finding the car. Like, go find my DeSoto I used to own and yeah. see what happens. There's a, there's a great um, video on the channel, uh, almost tear-jerking. It's a, if you go to My Car Story with Lou on YouTube and you punch in, it's either 1972 uh, Mark III Lincoln Continental mm-hmm. or Mark... Uh, It'd be Mark IV. Mark IV. Yeah. Or, or a 72, uh, 71 maybe, and it's green. And if you look at that story, Humberto Garcia tells that story of how he was in Mexico and his dad sold his Lincoln and he was distraught as a young boy. <laughs> and years later, there was a green Lincoln. And that was it. And the floor was out of it. And because him and his brother took a little Swiss Army knife that they weren't supposed to play with, dropped it into the vents in the car... <laughs> <laughs> and he found that in there, so he knew it was and his as he car. And putting a new frame on this junked-out bottom one, the pocket knife fell out. That's incredible. It wow. incredible. Yeah. That, that, I guess I just told this story. Yeah, so that, that happens. But that is mark a tissue right now. Very, very cool. Too. Yeah, very cool. Um, one thing I wanted to open the show with here, um, we usually talk about cars we've seen on the road, but I had a, an experience uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think we've talked about this before, too, that you know my disdain of having to take your car to the dealer for service. But there's a, more and more these days, there are things that only the dealer can do with a proprietary software, mainly, because cars are so electronic these days. They're basically rolling computers. So I had to bite the bullet and brought my um, uh, 2011 Porsche 911 into the dealer to have a couple of things done. And um, one thing that, you know, you're paying this just astronomically outrageous per hour uh, amount for labor, but at least uh, they're nice enough to give you a loaner. So I was wondering what kind of loaner I was going to get, and I was thinking I might get a Macan, but uh, they gave me a 2018 Panamera 4, which was interesting because I'm not a four-door guy, but I have been interested in the Panamera. So I had it for a couple days, and I kind of, you know, it didn't put a lot of miles on the car, maybe about 50 miles or so. But it was kind of a, you know, I looked at it as being a Panamera 4 test drive. The car had about 7,000 miles on it, Panamera 4, so that's basically the the base. The only thing lower than that would just be the standard Panamera, not the all-wheel drive. So this had a 3-liter V6. Uh, I believe it's just a single turbo. It kicks out about 300 and uh, I think about 30 horsepower. And it had, um, you know, a PDK automatic in it. And I just... The, the, the biggest thing I didn't like about this car, Lou, was the fact that um, it has a V6 in it, because I am just not a V6 fan. Not necessarily from the standpoint that uh, power-wise, power delivery-wise, they're, they're pretty good these days, because even, with, uh, even without a turbo, because I, I, I did have an Infiniti G37 uh, several years ago, and that, that was a naturally aspirated V6, and that had like 330 horsepower. So I mean, the power was there. I just don't like the sound that these V6 engines make, especially with the with this car. If you have it in sport mode, it has that fart can sound when it shifts, and it just it just does not sound good, especially on a Porsche. It just doesn't sound you know have that 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 German you know aura, I guess, about it. But the uh, the positive aspects of the car, or the things that surprised me about the car, were the fact that it's a big car, first of all. It's a lot bigger than, than you realize when you uh, see a picture of it, or even if you just see one park once you're driving it. The car is very, very wide, and it, um, it fit into my garage okay, but it filled up the bay pretty good, because I only have a one-car garage. But um, I also did, since I'm a tall person, I always 
whenever I drive any car, invariably I'll have the, the front seat, the driver's seat all the way back for s- sufficient legroom for myself. But then if it's a four-door car, I'll get in the back seat to see if I have any legroom with the front seat all the way back. And lo and behold, I did in the Panamera. It was pretty amazing. So it get, got high marks for me on that. The uh, hatch trunk area had uh, a lot of room in it. For a car that had a base price of $91,000, though, it had a lot of, to me, still a little bit too much in the way of hard plastics inside the interior. I mean, the leather and the seats were nice, but just too much hard plastics and way too much electronics. I mean, I know that that's the way they're going, but uh, the thing that was bugging me, and I didn't bother trying to uh, turn any of this stuff off because I only had the car a short period of time. I'm sure you could turn some of the stuff off, but it had like... You know, not only like front and rear cameras, and it had just like around sensing. So, like even like on a corner thing, so it, it started be- beeping and bonging, and even pulling into the garage. Even though I'm not in a, in danger of crashing into the wall, the thing's beeping and bonging while I'm there. I'm driving through a drive-through, it's beeping and bonging, and it's like this is just annoying. You know, it's just yeah. like it's just ridiculous and i'm sure like i said you could turn a lot of that off but it's just it's just like it's way too much i mean give us some credit that you know we're not going to be running into something you don't have to tell me something's three feet away from me i know it's there um and then the other thing and this is something i'll rail on forever too and i really haven't done it on this show is um this is my first experience with a car that has auto start stop and i don't know if you have do you have that on your new lincoln um we could yeah. but i don't yeah so you turn it off or yeah now when you turn it off does it remember your setting or do you have to turn it off every time you get in the vehicle i've been in cars that you have to turn it off every time you get yeah. in the vehicle and that the, even that becomes somewhat frustrating oh yeah sure every, you know it's an extra step you don't want to take yeah but fortunately, uh, the Lincoln, that's a, a one-touch, you know, on-off. And then it so just so. remembers it, yeah. though? Yeah. Yeah, because it, there is a huge variation. Um, I would, I could live with the car that had auto start-stop if it works the way yours does, that it remembers your setting that you turn it off. There's some, I know there's some Chevys out right now that you cannot defeat it at all, which is wow. just ridiculous. Now, Porsche, and it's funny because the service advisor got into the car with me to just go over a few things uh, before I took it uh, out of the dealer. And the first thing out of his mouth was, if you don't like start-stop, here's how you get rid of it. And I said, I hate stop-start. So there's two ways to do it on the Panamera. You either have to turn it off uh, once you start the car, but then every time you start the car again, you got to turn it off again. It doesn't remember your setting. Or he said, just keep it in sport mode because sport mode disengages it and it's it's not a factor then anymore. So I just kept the car in sport mode and they probably want you to keep it in sport mode anyway, because it's a Porsche and, and you know, it's going to have more performance in that yeah. mode. But yeah, just a pain in the butt though, really that, that start stop thing is just ridiculous. And I did try it a couple of times just to see what the sensation is like. And it's weird because you're, you know, you're sitting, especially like making a left turn, you're, you're in the middle of the intersection waiting to make your left turn and your engine's not running, you know, and then the minute you take your foot off the brake, the thing fires up and you drive off. And you, did, ha- you have to hope for acceleration. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or you hope that it's going to start up or whatever. There's, this, I, I think that there's so many things that could go wrong with that. Mentally, you feel disabled. Exactly. Yeah, it's just a weird sensation. And I know I've, I'm used to it because my girlfriend drives a Prius, and that thing, you know, shuts on and off all the time. And that car, when it restarts, it doesn't. The the, the Prius doesn't have a big um, judder or anything because it's it's running on battery power, and the transition between battery power and the engine starting is smoother. The uh, Panamera actually actually was fairly smooth uh, starting up. There wasn't a lot of juddering or anything. And I've been in a a newer uh, BMW 228i, 
that has start stop a friend of mine has one of those and that had a little bit of a judder but it's a smaller car it's a four-cylinder and a much smaller chassis so it probably doesn't have as much isolation but that still wasn't even that bad too but that's another thing that you read a lot uh about in the uh um reviews of new cars that uh if they have start stop they talk about how smooth the transition is between um the engine being on and 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 being off and they're getting better at it but overall i would uh, give the panamera fairly high marks um i know a lot of people didn't like the first version of it they thought it was really ugly and they uh, i always liked it anyway regardless and then they redesigned it a little bit and kind of smoothed out the the hump in the back but um it's a good car i just don't see a uh laying out 91 grand you know new if i would ever buy a panamera i would certainly buy one used and i would get the v8 turbo because i just i I need a v8 i just don't like that that v6 sound but i was glad to have it as a as a as a loner and um you know it was kind of cool just tooling around in a in a silver panamera with black leather for a while so i I stopped by one of my car guy buddy's house and i said hey you want (laughs) you want to take a ride in my loner so we cruised around for a little bit of that so it was fun i mean that that's that's what's nice when it's somebody else's car and somebody else's dime you know all you're doing is paying for the gas so it's not too bad if you like what we're doing here on the car guys report informed automotive be sure to tell a friend about this show it's the car guys report it's available online at radiomisfits.com you can find Follow us at Car Guys Podcast on Twitter. And of course, you can email us as well. We'd love to get your emails. The email address is CarGuysReport at Hotmail.com. I'm Mark Vernon along with uh, Lou Costable. And I don't know if you have any experience, Lou, with the uh, Hyundai brand. Have you ever um, owned a Hyundai or had friends with uh, with Hyundais? You know, I had a Hyundai one time out in Arizona as a renter. Okay. And it was uh, one of the SUV models. Okay. You know, it was enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't... uh, I don't remember having any negative feelings towards it. Yeah. My dad had a... um a Hyundai uh, Tucson that he bought uh, way back in uh, 2005. I think, I think that's what it yeah. was, yeah, something and, like a Tucson. Or yeah, something. and that was when Hyundai had obviously started producing pretty good quality vehicles. They weren't as, as high level as they are now because we're talking 14 years ago already, but that was a very, very sufficient car. And, of course, Hyundai's uh, luxury division called Genesis has been um, turning out some pretty uh, – impressive vehicles and to me they always look like a hybrid between that's one thing that the south koreans are very good at in designing their cars they they ape other other mainstream luxury manufacturers cars so to me when you see a genesis on the road it looks like a cross between a bmw and a mercedes and i even me i have to take a double take sometimes because it just looks so close to those cars but it's not it's amazing but uh one thing that uh, genesis uh has said that they are no longer going to be offering a v8 engine engine in their future models that's got to make you happy it's, yeah, yeah i know i tell you i just i, I got to cross them off the list here no v8s on the uh, genesis exactly uh the current v8 they have is called the tau v8 it's uh, featured in uh, both the g80 and uh, g90 uh luxury four-door sedans and they're basically going to just um drop the engine uh sometime next year and just concentrate on uh v6 and obviously it's probably going to be a twin turbo v6 because Hyundai and Kia, if you don't know, are both are, are one and the same company. Kia is kind of the sporting, you know, like the Pontiac version of, of you know, within a GM, you know, the, the analogy would be like they're the sporting thing. So it's more like a Pontiac. And then Hyundai would be more like the Chevy or the Buick part of it. But um, 
Kia has that Stinger out, which has that pretty boss V twin turbo V6. It kicks out like 365 horsepower, and I think that's obviously what they're going to be doing, just like almost seemingly every other manufacturer. Although the Germans, uh, BMW, Mercedes, Porsche, still have uh, offer a V8 engine in their you know higher end cars as kind of a halo thing. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't think that's going to affect uh, Genesis sales too much because even. Uh, Lexus, I believe, with the with the big LS uh, sedan, they've they've permanently gotten rid of a V8 engine in that model and just have a, a turbo V6 in there. So that's kind of the model I think that Genesis is looking at. But it'll be interesting to see what uh, they come out with uh, as lo- as far as that goes. And I mean, I think it is impressive the power that they're getting out of. Um, v6 engines these days i mean it's amazing when you look at you know a twin turbo v6 will hit you know close to 400 horsepower even higher i know the ford uh ecotec uh twin turbo that they're using across the board and a ton of different stuff including their pickup trucks the power is amazing so um it'll be interesting to see you know what else happens with that but you don't have any v6s currently in your stable do you yeah i'm driving a uh, v6 um, ford uh, explorer okay so that is a v6 i wasn't sure okay and they the other option would be the EcoBoost 4. Yeah. And that okay. goes back to that sound you really don't like when the, you're driving The it. fart can sound. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. And then the other one is the uh, uh, the Lincoln that we have is a 4. Yeah, it is a 4. Yeah. You know, so it's that's... It's a 2.0 liter yeah. with, a, with a turbo, and that, you know, sounds... Doesn't sound very good. Yeah. But the 6 is wonderful. It's got no turbo. It just runs and glides. It, you, you'd probably be confused with your girlfriend's uh, Prius if yeah. you're driving this one because it's so comfortable. My biggest complaint on the Ford Explorer with the V6 is it's so comfortable that it's the only car driving that I've actually fallen asleep Wow. On. Yeah, so I was coming home one night from a UFC <laughs> event and uh, uh, having some pizza and some uh, some soft drinks <laughs> and uh, having a nice cruise home and apparently <laughs> the next sound I heard was eh, yeah, and I was kind of woke up, and I said, "Well, I get, look at this! I'm driving here by the Sears Center, and hopefully not through the Sears Center." Was it the car waking you up, yeah, or the, the the grates on the side of oh, the road okay. that, yeah, they, those. that they put into? Uh, well, they put those in the road, so when people like me fall asleep in the left hand lane, they it wakes me up before I hit the uh, the center center uh, cement. I want to talk about the V8 though that you were talking about real quick. By the way, I realized. As you were speaking, that I was in a Tucson in Phoenix going to Scottsdale there you and go. going to Fountain <laughs> yeah, Hills. So, that's a little confusing, right? Yeah, it can be a little crazy. <laughs> I'm so, in Tucson. No, I'm in Tucson. Yeah, in yeah. a Tucson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the V8, though, when you think about it from the from the manufacturer's perspective, and sure, we're Americans, we like V8s, but when you think of it from the, you know, you're losing two cylinders, which means you're going to be saving on metal. Metal. Right? Uh, more packaging and we can get a smaller car but still have the same amount of room or the same size car and even more room uh let's talk about weight fuel economy weight all kinds of things you've just taken you know 25 percent of the weight off theoretically yeah uh you know so from that aspect of it you can see where and you know they've got to meet government regulations and they've got to you know look at gas and and things like that so plus the other thing too is i mean i don't know what the take they call it the take rate 
on on certain options you know like they say like the take rate on manual transmissions these days is like you know less than five percent or whatever and that's one big reason why they're not available on a lot of cars um but a v8 i don't know what the take rate would be on the genesis but it's got to be pretty small because most buyers are just looking i think it, it, the people that are buying a genesis to me are the people that want the luxury but they don't want to shell out the, the real big bucks so they're looking more for the experience the ride the, the comfort the quietness and as long as the power is adequate that's all they care about. You know, it'd be like my dad. My dad was always one that would be like, oh, it's good enough. You know, it's, we don't yeah. need the turbo and <laughs> things yeah. like that. So um, it's, I'm sure the take rate wouldn't justify continuing on with it either. We'll so. have a whole show on options. Options, yes. Yeah. Options that are worth it and <laughs> options you can pass on. And speaking of uh, options, not exactly options, but groundbreaking technology on cars. I always find this fascinating and I'm kind of dividing. This will be kind of a, an in and out uh, topic on a couple of uh, episodes because I printed out uh, some stuff uh, online uh, a while back that had, and I didn't print out because there was a ton of them, but I printed out a good amount and I want to just cover two or three at a time. A lot of the things that we see in our new cars or experience in the new cars, we just kind of take for granted and we're not always sure how long it's been around or who was the first manufacturer to come up with that. And a lot of times it's pretty surprising. Um, Alfa Romeo, this one is probably a little more esoteric because a lot of people don't know what a common rail fuel delivery system is, but I, it's basically just um, having the uh, fuel delivered uh through a rail on top of your engine uh, to each individual fuel injector. And then they said that Alfa Romeo was the uh, first company to fit that to a production car. Happened in 1997, although it was pioneered by them, or pioneered in the 1960s, but it came out uh, on the Alfa Romeo T156 in 97. And then they go on to say that... um, Alfa Romeo had been the first to also use variable valve timing in its engines. And I remember because they said the Spider was the was the one that had it. And it was a very rudimentary system because my Alfa Spider did have that. All it was, as far as I understood it, was basically just a solenoid that would be actuated at a certain engine speed. And it would actually... Um, I think it was rotating the camshaft or something to a different position so it would change the timing that way. So it was a very rudimentary. It was basically a mechanical system. It was not really run uh, by a computer as everything is now. And I could never tell if it actually worked or not because it was only kicking in at the real high RPM. Our rev range is like over 4,500 or 5,000 or something. So it's interesting, though, because I do remember having that on my Spider, and I have no idea if it was actually even working or not after 30 years. But You know, Mark, as you're talking, I'm realizing that every person who sends a comment to me that says, Lou, is that a Rochester or is that some kind of a Weber? Or <laughs> All of these questions are now going to be filtered through you from my channel because I'm like, I-, I don't know. I like the color. It's blue. Yeah. You know, I- I've got no idea. And uh, you're familiar with Jensen. Remember the Jensen Interceptor? Yeah. That was one of the classic British cars that, that had a Chrysler engine in I've it. I've got to get a Jensen on the channel. I've They're cool few, cars. Yeah, I've had a few discussions with guys who've had Jensens, and somehow they, they mysteriously disappear. Well, they only made uh, uh, 6,408 Interceptors, uh, according to the uh tally i have or i don't know if that's in one year because they're talking what i wanted to talk about it there was and there was a, a model called the jensen ff and it was uh, kind of a longer wheel based uh, four seat uh, jensen interceptor and what made this car unique it came out in 1966 it had two things it was uh the first 
uh, all, basically the first all-wheel drive production car. So it had a four-wheel drive system, uh, and it also had the first uh, commercially available anti-lock braking system. Really? It was the Dunlop Maxarette braking system. So this car had two things that are basically almost ubiquitous today in cars and that was in um, 1966 well they introduced the technology in 66 and then they offered the car they only sold ended up selling only 320 of them so if you ever come across a jensen ff and the way you can tell that it's an ff is it has two uh, vents on the uh, front uh, fender instead of one and two more seats in the back yeah and two more seats in the back exactly so it's kind of a not a real attractive car but definitely cutting edge for the time and jensen's are neat cars as lou had just mentioned he's looking to get one on his uh channel uh that is my car story with lou on youtube so if you uh you could send that email to exactly yeah if you you own a jensen interceptor have a friend that's got one uh let us know about me car guys report at (laughs) hotmail.com and um one other one one I wanted to talk about too is uh, continuously variable transmissions. Uh, that's well, let's not jump off of 1966 because now we're talking something that our producer Tony Lascano is a very big fan of the 66 Batmobile. So oh, let's, yeah. let's not forget about the red <laughs> Commissioner Gordon yeah. phone <laughs> in the Batmobile, which now so that's every, the first production yeah, car that had a the 80s. We finally got phones in our cars, and now <laughs> we all just carry them in our pocket. Okay, thank you, Lou. Batmobile. <laughs> that was for that was for Tony. Tony. Well, yeah. Uh, but the continuously variable transmission, otherwise known as a CVT, is uh, basically very commonplace in a lot of cars these days. A lot of the hybrids have them. Wait, slow that down. What did you just say? The continuously variable transmission. Continually, continually. Variable. Continuously variable transmission. It has no. Now, wouldn't that be an it has automatic? No, it's an automatic, but it has no gears. Basically, what it was or what it is is it's got like a variable size pulley that changes the ratio with a metal band. Really? So that's how it changes. And it's such a weird sensation to a lot of people that get a car nowadays that have a CVT because it basically just kind of goes, and never shifts, but it's changing the ratios, obviously. And a lot of the modern car manufacturers are actually putting in artificial shift points in a CVT just so the people driving it make it make it seem like there's something they're more familiar with, which kind of to me is, is dumb because it's so, kind of con- so it defeating a, the, gives you a jerk. It doesn't, it doesn't get, I don't know how it works just because sound or is I don't know if it's, jerk? I, I, I don't know if it's gotta be some kind of slight bump or something, I think, because my girlfriend's Prius has a CVT in it, but that thing's running on battery half the time. And it's, it's like a giant video game and you can never really tell when that thing shifts. But I've been in one other CVT before that a friend of mine had in a Jeep Patriot. And I remember he just loathed that thing. He actually traded it in and got a, a conventional torque converter automatic in, in a higher end uh, Patriot with a V6. They put the CVTs in the in the smaller engine cars for fuel economy and everything. But what I'm getting to overall with this huge thing is DAF was a uh, Holland-based uh, manufacturer. Do you remember the Daffodil? It was a car, a tiny little micro car they made in the uh, 50s. And the DAF... Your knowledge is always amazing. The DAF was the first uh, commercially available car that had a continuously variable transmission. What year was this? 1958. Wow. Yeah. And, of course, that has like a tiny little... I I don't know how big the engine is in the DAF, but it's tiny. It's like probably like a one liter or even less. But, um, but yeah, it's it's just cool that you just find these technologies that have been around and we... What would the horsepower on one liter be like? 15 horsepower is it like a lawnmower uh it's i'll have to look it up because i have my book i'd have to reach over and get the book um but 
um, we'll answer your question in the next episode, Lou. All right. Um, but it's it's very low. Yeah, you think it's yeah. Well, let's Let, let's, let's have a guess. It, yeah. Well, right. What are you going to call it? Ten. All right. One liter. I'm going to say uh, I'm going with. Let me think really hard. I'm going to go with 17. 17. Horsepower. I was going to go a little higher. I'll say 25. Okay. So we'll see. Right. One of us will be closer. <laughs> Whoever's closer wins the Who's, who's the wrong and who's report. right. And um, switching gears yep. uh, big time. I between, like that. Between, Transmissions, be, switching gears. Be, between the DAF and the – here goes Vernon talking about an Aston Martin again. Gee, he never talks about those. <laughs> but um, one of the uh, common things we have here on the Car Guys Report is cars that are either for sale or have recently – sold either uh at auction or on hemmings or whatever and nicholas me is one of uh the people that i get their email every month they're a uh a uh, aston martin dealer in england and the thing that i like about them we've talked about them before is they just always get an incredible selection of uh used uh aston martins they were the ones that had robert plant's old uh Aston Martin and just really cool stuff. And this thing is pretty incredible too. And it's got a neat, neat little backstory that actually ties into my Aston Martin, which I'll, I'll, tell you about in a minute but it's a 2019 aston martin vanquish and then this will get lou's motor running it's a zagato shooting brake and uh shooting brake is let me guess there's nine of them no there's actually a lot more than that they made 99 okay which blows me away because i thought it'd be a lot more limited than that now the reason why it's nine is because that's like their number that's what you were saying i remember that yeah Seattle so makes them in nines, 99. And they made nine. 99 of these, wow, which surprises me, yeah. Is it, is it a top on it? It's, yeah, it's, what, what it is is a shooting brake is basically um, British slang for a, uh, a very low-slung hatchback. Or, you know, they call their station wagons over there estate ah, wagons. So this it. is almost like a, like a, you could either call it a, a, a three-door, super unbelievably sleek hatchback, or you could call it almost like a Nomad because it's a two-door station wagon. Yeah. But it just doesn't look like a station wagon because the roof is just so low and so sleek. I mean, the car is just beautiful. So that people understand it's got the double bubble on the top so that you could fit your helmets in it. But yet it, the, it's almost like going back to the 50s with your greaser hair that goes straight back and never ends until the end of the car well it says here taking inspiration from the db5 and db6 shooting brake creations of the 1960s and this is so british too one can again load the aston with shotguns slow gin and breeks and i didn't know what a breek was it's, those are the things that stop your car it's it, no those are brakes oh. <laughs> it was trousers are breeks i don't ah. know why you would decide to take a pair of trousers along other than the ones that you're wearing oh i am wearing trousers in my car I'll but this one is number 69 of 99 it's in tungsten silver with um uh kind of a uh what do they call it here um uh, I'm looking for it. It's got a, I think it's got like a, a chestnut or bitter chocolate. There it is. Bitter chocolate uh, interior. It's got 35 miles on it. So it's basically brand new. It's got the 5.9 liter V12. And usually Nicholas, me, even though they have the really high end stuff, they'll, they'll usually list prices on their, on their website. But here, this one just says POA, which means price on acceptance. So I think that's when you have to go in and you get, they do a credit check on you before you even can talk to them about the car. I don't know what, what this thing would, would, it's gotta be, I mean, upper six figures, I think it's well, gotta well, be about five, 600 grand. You know, I was about to get it until you said bitter, sweet <laughs> chocolate. It's if not it your type, just right? Chocolate, or even <laughs> if they would have said Nestle's chocolate, I would have been in. But now that it's bitter, It just kills it yeah, for you, right? That, that I'm done with that. You're Somebody done else with is okay. going to have that car. Okay. Um, and the coolest thing about this is 
when I was looking at the pictures of the car online, um, Aston Martins on their engines, they have a little uh, plate that has the guy's name on it that did the, the person's name on it that did the final inspection on the motor. And Phil Jeffries is the uh, fellow that did the final inspection on this shooting brake in 2019. And lo and behold, my 2002 17-year-old Aston Martin DB7 Vantage has Phil Jeffrey's name on its V12 as well. Is that right? Which is pretty cool because it means that, first of all, the guy's been there at least 17 years. He's checked a few cars. Yeah, so maybe there's a little yeah. bit of something to this heritage stuff and this hand-built stuff through Aston Martin. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> so he's got like, his shotgun in one hand. And his briefs. And he's wearing he's his briefs. He's in briefs. his shorts. He's in his shorts <laughs> and he's signing car, car engines. Bring I, on the next yeah, one. Yeah, I think it's so cool. And, and you know, I wonder exactly how, how close do they look. You know, do they just kind of glance <laughs> at it and go oh, okay looks okay fire up the next ass yeah get me a scotch <laughs> i don't think they're doing leak down tests and <laughs> things like that but i just so cool when i saw his name on there i'm like cool that uh, is that is cool that is i, I agree that's neat that uh, they keep the same person that doing is pretty that. cool he might be the only one too for all i well, know that's but fine. <laughs> he's the guy yeah, that's, he's the that's guy. good phil jeffries is the name you want to remember so anyway another name you want to remember is the car guys report informed automotive that's what uh, lou and i are doing here on this podcast if you like this podcast Make sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits podcast network, like our friend that uh, uh, Lou was just talking about, Tony Lasano. Lasano and Friends. It's an OPI show. You can join Tony Lasano and his famous friends for a casual, comedic conversation about anything. It's an OPI show, and it's available only on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. That is Radio Misfits. Okay, Lou, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll be right back. If you're a fan of the English Premier League, you'll want to check out Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. As you can hear by his accent, Adam is from England originally. Chelsea fan, if you must know. And he's also an expert in soccer tactics and methods. He's the director of coaching for the Illinois Youth Soccer Association. So obviously, he has some incredible insights into the game. Tune in every week. We're on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. A Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show, and because it's soccer, we never use our hands. Radiomisfits.com Hey, it's Tommy. And then I'm Sam, I guess. And I'm Kimmy. And we're the colleagues of And Friends. Yes, and colleagues, and co-workers, and acquaintances. Every week we talk about the weirdest things, Florida men, sex toys, and Tommy gives away something every single week. First week it was 10 grand, second week it was my virginity, next week it's going to be a cat. So listen to And Friends Season 2, an Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable, and uh, certainly appreciate you having along, uh, having you along for the ride. And I know I, I mentioned this to you, Lou, uh, a while back, and I've been looking forward to uh, doing this uh, story because it's so unique. Um, I get the Wall Street Journal at home, not because I'm some kind of high-flying corporate guy, but... Uh, they do have uh, some very interesting human interest stories in the journal. I don't know where they dig this stuff up, but this is one of the coolest ones they've had. Of course, uh, Volkswagen, Porsche, Mercedes-Benz, Audi, all the German manufacturers, they're very good at making cars. And uh, another thing that you know about the country of Germany is they're very serious about their beer and they're very serious about their sausage. And somehow those items have coalesced and Volkswagen, for the last 46 years, 
has been making its own sausage. Wow. And they sell it in Germany. They can't officially sell it here because it says VW isn't on the list of German establishments permitted to export processed pork products to America. But after this article came out, they're actually alluding to the fact that they're going to try maybe to start producing it here in the U.S. Because what happens is people find out, Volkswagen owners and other people find out that Volkswagen makes their own sausage and they try it when they're in Europe and they love it and they can't bring it back here. So they feel there might be enough of demand because actually Volkswagen has sold six and a half million sausages last year, which is more than the total number of cars they make. And when you go into a Volkswagen dealer and you buy a new car, instead of giving you like a bouquet of flowers, they give you a package of sausage to take home. And the coolest thing about this story... I think that's a great idea. It's awesome. And the coolest I'd thing... I'd much rather have sausage than flowers and, every and, day. And Lou, make sure you write this down. It actually has a Volkswagen parts catalog part number. <laughs> so you could literally, you can try it here and they might look at you funny. But if you go to Germany, you can walk up to the parts counter and go, yeah, I'll have a, I need a fuel injector for, uh, for an 85 Golf. And uh, give me uh, two packs of the 199-398-500A. And that's the part number for the sausage. It'll, it'll be in the cooler. <laughs> yeah. It's so hilarious. 199-398-500 and then the letter A. The only car dealership with a cooler in the it, back. It is amazing. And what it, what the sausage is, you're probably wondering, It's they call it a flavorful curry verst. And uh, it would have, uh, it's fairly spicy. That's that's a thing that some people like uh, uh, curry, the, the curry type flavors. Others don't. But it says VW's version involves 37.5% beef. 44% pork and 18.5% of spices and other ingredients. It's a secret recipe dating from 1973, and they have their own dedicated sausage-making staff that, that has been making this uh, recipe since 1973. And it's a closely—it's like the uh, secret recipe of uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Nobody knows what the real recipe is, and they said that no one's been able to really crack it yet, you know, to figure out exactly what's in there. But it's just, it's hilarious. This is the factory last year ground out six and a half million of its 10-inch VW sausages. The company last year sold 6.2 million VW cars. So they're selling more sausage than cars. And it says some VW dealers in Germany, like I just said, give curryverse to car buyers instead of flowers. So I just think it's the coolest um, the coolest thing, because who would ever think that a car manufacturer, you know, I think there's, I think VW is number one in the world, if I'm not speaking, number one, number two uh, I'm sure overall. the CEO listens to our show. It's just unbelievable. So let me just give him a tip. Make the VW beer. <laughs> that would be with, cool, along yeah. Along with the VW sausage, and give those away with the car, and your cars will sell 12 billion or whatever number he needs. That, be, that would be cool. And it says here, Curryverse, it's flavored with curry pepper, ginger, and other spices. And they say it's a staple of the uh, German fast food genre sold in uh, train station airports and on street corners. So that's the, the curry-versed flavor, and that's basically the, the flavor that they're making in the uh, Volkswagen sausage. So next time uh, you're in Germany, if you uh, think about it, or even pretty much anywhere in Europe, I think, you could go into a Volkswagen um, a dealer and go to the parts uh, counter and say uh, 199-398-500A and just tell them that you want uh, a couple of packages of the Volkswagen Curryverse sausage 
and they'll be uh, happy to uh, fill your order there. And maybe if we're lucky, fingers crossed, uh, they might uh, start making it here in the U.S. so we can uh, fill our own. So, you know, I enjoy a good sausage every now and then. Oh, you yeah. know, I get a bratwurst at a lot of the car shows yeah, and stuff. Sure. And it's I, just, had, I had sausage last night. See? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. You know, we're healthy guys, but we have our little hey, things that we splurge on every now and sausage. then. That's the way it is. So another topic, too. Um, Motor Trend recently came out with uh, a list of the 10 greatest American cars. Now, this might be really pedestrian, but there's a lot of things we could talk about here. Um, I get nervous just thinking about what, what how, how to whittle it down to just 10 greatest American cars per Motor Trend. All right, and I haven't seen this list yet. Okay, well, so it's it's a, a list of because we're actually going to cover the the, the next know, five in the next episode, so we're doing half the ones. Well, we're doing that in the next episode. Yeah, so we're doing five and five. Five and five. So and some of these are are so pretty. So it's the top ten. It, it's a, a total ten greatest. Yeah. Um, do they do they list them by numbers? Like no, this? they just kind of threw okay. them out there. Um, All right, and obviously I'm some. Re- I'm ready. Hit me with the first one. The Model T, fifteen million made. You know, it got down to something like two hundred and thirty-eight dollars. Yeah, I can understand why that's there. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, The Ford Mustang, okay, nineteen sixty-four and a half Mustang, and the the whole line. I guess they're they're kind of talking in in general about just the entire line. But I I thought they were going to say uh, you know something specific like a year. No, I think they're keeping it general just because that that makes more sense. All right. Yep. Um, I'm back on board with Motor Trend. The uh, the Chrysler minivan. That de- uh, debuted in 1983 because they they're always saying that that basically just you know started the whole trend of of a new type of vehicle kind of supplanted what were station wagons and it's before the the luxury SUV thing or yeah, the SUV you know, craze. The minivan went pretty pretty well right off the bat. Yeah, front wheel drive. It had yeah. plenty of traction, plenty of room. The room was amazing in those things because I remember being in like a 1983 minivan and it had just tons of headroom and a lot of cargo capacity when you needed it. So what was what was the station wagon? That, for example, when the minivan came out, people really gravitated towards. Yeah, it. but obviously we lived with station wagons for a long time. And remember, there was would have been like the Caprice, like the big GM wagons, but, like the Caprice but, and but the I mean, Pontiacs and the Buicks. Was, I think it was Chrysler that came out with a station wagon, and they tried to make it a Nomad, and they tried to make it. Kind of uh, well, you're thinking of the Magnum that came out only about uh, right. 15 years ago. That didn't go over as well. No, actually, that that car. Not to get off too much of a tangent, that is on my list of future collectibles because you okay. get you get the one with the Hemi in it. Yeah, and that's a cool car. And some of them came with all wheel drive, I believe. Really? And it's a it's a bad looking car. I mean, badass, cool looking car. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, the Magnums were cool, but Chrysler minivan, uh, the Tesla Model S which was groundbreaking when it debuted in uh, 2011 or 2012. Uh, I was just reading a little bit more about that, um, that it was basically just blew everyone away with the, the range being an all-electric, um, having the performance. Even now, Tesla Model S, if you get a, the P100D, which is the larger battery pack, and then you put it into that ludicrous mode, and it's the quickest production vehicle anywhere right now 2.3 seconds to 60 i mean it's just it's scary scary fast and have you ever driven no i haven't i I haven't is it just a sensation that's like because i mean the torque is instant that's the whole thing it says boom well with the one i test drove first of all a friend of mine who had a porsche 911 said lou you got to go drive the tesla 
And I said, well, I'm not sure. He goes, no, go test. He goes, just do what I'm asking you to do and tell me what the result is. I go, okay, I trust you. Okay, sure. So I go to the Tesla dealer and hand him my driver's license and his very nice young lady gets in and she says, well, you know, what kind of car do you have? And I told her what I have. And she says, oh, well, let me get the four-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Said, oh, yeah, let's get whatever you <laughs> say we're going to get into. So we get into it. And, and this says, was an S you were, you were in? Yeah. The big one? And it was right before they had Ludacris. They had something else. Okay. It was like ridiculous yeah. or something, whatever they called it. So uh, I hit the button, and she says, go ahead. I'd like you to step on it. I said, well, I don't know if I... And she goes, no, I, I really like you to step on it. And she had this big glowing <laughs> yeah. grin and almost like a challenging moment. Yeah. So as a guy with a girl smiling at you like that, you're like, all saying, right. Go I'm, ahead, do it. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> okay, here we go. So I now have your permission. So, uh, boy, it was the first car that the only way I could give you the sensation was if you were going down a roller coaster mm-hmm. at Great America, yeah. it felt like your stomach the was G-force. actually coming back to your, to your uh, rib cage. Yeah. Yeah, not not your ribcage, your spine, your back. Yeah, yeah. It it was and it was like tickling you, like someone was grabbing your sides and tickling you. It was really crazy. All right, so, so that's my so, Tesla moment. Yeah, Tesla moment with Lou. Now you have to drive and, one. No, I do have to drive one okay. at some point. Yeah, and and, and the the the, fun, the 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 fifth one for half this uh, ten greatest. And this is an interesting one because it's not a high production vehicle. It was the Ford GT. Of course, you know, huge race car when it came out, and then they reintroduced it in 2005, I believe, or 2004, and then they have the, the, the third generation five, of it. Which, five and six. Yeah, and you have, uh, I have a friend that's got one of the, the 2005s, and then you just recently videoed the, the latest version with the V6 yep. twin turbo yep. and the adjustable suspension and all that, and it's just they're they're cool cars. They yeah, really are. They are. Yeah, they're wonderful. They're amazing and they're they're highly collectible. And uh, I know my friend that's got the 2005. He he was lucky too because he bought it. That car originally retailed for 150 when it came out. And then a couple years later, like two or three years later, they they took a dip, and he was able to grab one. I think he said he paid ninety or a hundred thousand for that's it. Great. And now you can't touch one for three less than three hundred, basically yeah, two fifty to three hundred. So he bought it at the right time. So why can't I do that? Damn it! Yeah, uh, it always annoys me. I'm never <laughs> never good on my timing there, but. Uh, you are listening to the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, and uh, we'd love to get your uh, subscription to our podcast. All you have to do is when you search for us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn, just search for Radio Misfits, Radio Misfits and when you uh, find the Car Guys Report, uh, subscribe to it. You'll get a push notification every time there's new content from our uh, podcast. And also, please take a moment to rate us. We've got some uh, very nice uh, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, certainly appreciate Appreciate you taking the time to do that, and we're always uh, looking for uh, more positive uh, reviews. So uh, we would certainly like you to rate us and subscribe to us on those platforms, whatever your device is, whether it's your phone, your tablet, your laptop. And the cool thing, remember, when you're um, listening to a podcast, it's up to you. You can skip, rewind, fast forward, do whatever you want. It's listening on your own time, and it's totally free. That is the best thing, F-R-E-E. And the best thing about uh, Lou's uh, YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou, that's also free as well. You get to uh, look at all kinds of incredibly cool cars that Lou tapes and uh, what are some of the highlights that we can look forward to on the channel coming up, Lou. Well, we like to play a little game with Mark. I'm going to name three cars that are on the channel right now. 
and I like to spread them out by year and things like this. So let's jump right in. So the game here is Mark's going to pick the one with the most views. Now understand this is my channel. This is not overall in the globe, etc. So we're just doing it off of that. <clears throat> Mark by year. A 53 Mercury Monterey convertible okay. in black. The next one is a 60 Imperial Crown Tudor hardtop in green. Hmm. And the third choice is a 73 Mercury Montego GT in yellow. Which one do you think would have the most views? Because I know the Mercury is is I mean the, the Imperial's rare. The Mercury's really actually pretty rare. Those are those are cars you don't see every day. And you're doing the colors yellow, green. You said was the Mercury. We have a fifty three black Mercury Monterey convertible in black. Black. Okay. So we've got a convertible. We've got a sixty Imperial Crown two door hard top. Okay. In green. In green. But it is a two door. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've yeah. got a seventy three Mercury Montego GT. In yellow. In Montego. I'm going to be crazy and just, for some reason, I want to say the Imperial. The Imperial was the hands-down winner at 49,050 wow. views. Wow. You want to take your guess at number two, yeah. or you want to just stay on that the, roll, and I'll just No, I'll, no I'll, 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 get, I'll try number two. Let's go with the Montego. The Montego came in third. It did, okay. With, with 6,100 okay. views and the 12,900 views, wow. the Mercury Monterey Because I know the Mercury is cool. It's just bl being black. I thought that it might not attract people's attention. But I know the you know those Imperials are very cool. I love those cars. And uh, the Mercury is a very cool car. I just thought maybe the, the flashiness of the Montego might draw some people and it's a rare car too you don't see too many of them yeah all, all three of them you don't see the uh the, i think the winner became um the owner of the 60 imperial uh, his name is frank Troost, and frank gave me a little tip because you have to put what's called a thumbnail or what i like to call the youtube landing page mm -hmm. so that when people are scanning they with their eyes they quickly identify it as i was taking shots of the front and the back of that he happened to mention, he goes, you know, people really like the shot of the back of this car with these big <laughs> fins. I went, hmm, back of the car. Yeah. Thank you, Frank. And sure enough, Frank was dead Right, on. cool. So stay tuned for the next episode on guess which one is going to be the top winner by views. Cool, cool. That's good. And, of course, uh, you can always check out Lou's uh, YouTube channel, uh, My Car Story with Lou. And you've recently passed a milestone, too, 60,000 uh, yeah. subscribers. Yeah, that's cool. So, you know, keep them coming. Cool. I'll, I'll do the same. Good. I'll keep the cars coming. You, you keep checking it out. That's awesome. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, we will cover five more of the greatest American cars ever made. And we'll also talk about the phenomenon of one-off luxury cars. That's for the really, really, really rich guys. But uh, some interesting uh, topics to discuss within that genre. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lissano with opishows.com. Opi, if you're wondering how the heck do you spell that? Well, it's hippo spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The proceeding was a presentation of Opi Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Jenkins Networks at the White House. Spotted Cows at the Spotted Cow Brewery. Cubs Funeral. David Lee Roth, Brush with Rick. And our guest, Skip Graparis. All that in unlimited tangents 
on this week's Minutia Men. Tony Lasano Podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radiomisfits.com. Hey, this is Tony Lasano, and if you like podcasts, well, I'm the guy that you want to meet. Well, maybe, but I have my own called Nude Hippo, the podcast, and I do it with uh, many members of and friends, uh, including Kimmy. Hello. We feature some of the coolest guests like Brian Cheverini, Ginger Z, Mr. Skin, Tom Dreesen, and so many more. These are like milestone interviews. They're timeless. So this way you could pick it up at any point. I suggest you start from the beginning. Nude Hippo, the podcast and Opi show. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. <laughs>